What's up, everybody? This is FTW with Ahmad Khan. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan, and joining me today on this Violating Terms of Service edition is Stephen A. Sarch. On today's episode, we'll talk about Twitch banning Trump and the U.S. Army's unsuccessful foray into Discord. But first, we have to continue our conversation from last week involving sexual misconduct allegations. It's why we've brought back Stephen, as he's reported on these types of cases extensively for Newsweek. Since accounts started to surface two weeks ago, we've seen more than 200 people come forward with allegations of sexual misconduct or harassment. That number is according to a report from ESPN. In the last few days, the fighting games community, specifically the Super Smash Brothers scene, has seen multiple allegations involving minors. There's a lot to go over, but let's start with the biggest one. Nairo Nairobi Quezada, now formerly of NRG, had deleted his social media presence after it came to light that he had a sexual relationship with Zachary, Captain Zach Louth. Louth, who was 15 at the time, presents damning evidence against Quezada, who was 20. In it, he shows receipts of payments sent by Nairo's brother slash manager, Kevin K. Sizzle Quezada, to ensure that Captain Zach stayed quiet about the incident and lied if asked. At the moment, the receipts are being taken at face value as being true. So, Stephen, energy has dropped Nairo. It seems that Nairo himself has effectively left the community when his brother wrote, quote, it's over and, quote, Nairo is done. We've also seen Nairo issue an apology on Twitter. We're not seeing Captain Zach move forward with litigation, though. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, it's very hard to move forward with a sexual assault case. It's very hard to believe the victim. Uh, a lot of time has happened. There's not a lot of, you know, physical evidence left. And so it's really, you know, a, a crapshoot if you're going to get any success out of trying to, you know, go into litigation. I think with a, a lot of these people, if they haven't already tried litigation, they, they might feel that um, the police can't help. And the courts can't help, and only the court of public opinion is is what's left to go. You can't really expect the police to help you out when sexual assault victims genuinely very rarely get to see justice after such a, especially such a long amount of time has passed. What's interesting is that some of the allegations that I've seen surface up when when the statements are being made, they'll say things like, you know, I'm not here to cancel anybody. I don't want to cancel anyone, but I want to essentially make this known. But by making such a serious allegation known, they in turn are completely told by the by a large majority of the community to go away. So I, what is with some of that disconnect where maybe victims feel that they want to express what had happened to them, but also feel that they don't want somebody's career to end over it? If something happened to somebody, that information should be made public because you don't want it to happen again and you want to clear the air on the story yourself. You don't want to be the cause of someone to uh, lose their sponsorships or their job or their livelihood, but often it's not up to you to decide that. It's the job of, of the court public opinion. You know, I, I, when, I, when I talk to a lot of these, you know, victims, a lot of them don't want, you know, to... to have to deal with the, you know, fact that these accusations could end a person's career. They don't want hate sent towards that person. It's not about canceling. It's about sending hate towards that person. You are actively trying to, you know, you're like just trying to tell your side of the story and trying to share what happened to you. Of of course, there are instances where people are just utter scum and need to be canceled outright, but nobody wants to send a wave of title angry, you know, internet people towards other people. The other big one that came out yesterday was against commentator Cinnamon Senpai Dunson. Troy Puppet Wells released a statement saying that they had a sexual relationship when he was 14 and she was 24. 
There have been many calls to have Senpai banned from the community. The thing that really made people very upset with this is an image floating around of Pape when he was 14, and he looks very, very young. I think the thing that was difficult with Pape's kind of account of the situation was that, you know, when you're somebody in adolescence kind of going through puberty and you're engaged in what is most likely your first kind of relationship of this level, it must have been very confusing for him because he was telling in the account that, you know, they would go off and kind of do their thing, but she was also dating another person at the time, so he was very confused and had trouble kind of like processing that information, which has led to a lot of trust issues for him personally. Yeah, like how can you know people are trustworthy when you've been groomed from such a young age? And and that's what this is. This is a grooming situation where an older person uh, takes a younger person and, and tries to shape them into the person that they want to be around and they want to deal with without really taking into account what is better for uh, the younger individual. Yeah, and it's not that Senpai didn't know what she was doing was incorrect, because according to Pape, he claims that she tell him not to tell people of their relationship and to try to keep it hush, so... I think intent is irrelevant in this sort of situation. You know, as, as bad as it was, she still went through with it and still continued to do it to the point that a twit longer needed to be posted. Another major member in the Finding Games community that's also under investigation following sexual misconduct allegations, and that's uh, Mr. Wizard, who is one of the showrunners for Evo. In these allegations, uh, Evo is bringing in a third-party company to investigate the matter, and it deals, again, with essentially trying to encourage underage, underage boys to send sexually explicit material and there was kind of like this network or cabal where you know they would exchange this material so it, it it does seem i mean the allegations are incredibly incredibly damning and if following the investigation if it does come to light i don't see how evo can continue working with mr wizard i mean they probably won't continue working with mr wizard if those allegations are correct if there's a cabal trying to get pictures of underage boys it's kind of hard to continue hosting a fighting game tournament the, yeah. the the problem is is this the the, the FGC space grew up organically um, without the regulations that a lot of traditional sports leagues have and rules. So these men who have gone unchecked for most of you know the past decade doing whatever they see well and you know deem appropriate, they haven't been held to any accountability. They've just been free to do whatever they want. And if no one's going to stop somebody from pushing, they're just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until the the breaking point where the evidence is just so damning. And even then, what what is the repercussion for their actions? I think there needs to be repercussions for their actions. And the, the law isn't the only way. You know, when you go on like the, the – read the Twitter responses – to a lot of these allegations there's always like 20 you know neckbeards going we shouldn't have jumped to conclusions until we know all the evidence and if you're given one side of a story and it's clearly damning and there's enough proof there and you're just not believing it because you think the other side is justifiable even though they've said nothing or deleted their account then i think you're just trying to put the wool in front of your eyes and pretending that this isn't an issue because if you pretend this isn't an issue, like has been happening for the past decade, allowing a cabal of people to get pictures of underage boys, then you just continue to perpetuate the problem and continue to have it grow. This is the this is, you know, no one wants to see all of these twit longers and all of these disgusting accusations. 
but they're crucial and so important to the space. And unfortunately, we're going to need, we're, we're, we're probably not going to see the end of these. They're going to continue because once. Yeah, I think the one thing that I found you know completely surprising in how the responses have been is that maybe in the past people would have been like that, like, let's wait for all the evidence, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I don't even necessarily disagree with kind of that train of thinking, but What's interesting is that, like, for example, the accusations against Nairo, people on Twitter were pretty much like, okay, go away. Like, do not come back. People were very firm in saying that you are done. Go away. Where I feel that maybe, like, 10 years ago, you know, excuses and, like, some uncomfortable hand-wringing would have been done. Well, 10 years ago, the internet wasn't in the same space that it was today. You know, Mm -hmm. gaming is very much in the public light. And influencers didn't have the same level of power that they did a decade ago. It's an entirely new space, and a lot of these accusations have been done. Have you know these these actions have been done over the past decade, because it's been a, a growing period for the FGC and the Smash community and the game space in general. These you know people are using their platform to take advantage of other people, and this isn't you know having people in power take advantage of their situation to prey on younger people isn't anything new. That's like 90% of what happened in Mad Men. But still, Mm. it's going to continue, and it's going to continue to be an issue. It's absolutely grotesque, and I, as I said before, always believe victims. If the the victim happened to be lying and can prove it that way, then we worry about that when when that time comes. But at at a baseline, you always believe the victims. Mm-hmm. Well, the last story I kind of want to end on with you is uh, this literally just broke a few hours ago, and that's involving Warcraft streamer turned Hearthstone player turned streamer again, Byron Reckful Bernstein. He has committed suicide at the age of 31. Stephen, tell me about Reckful, his community, and kind of why there's such a huge outcry over uh, over his death. Well, there will always be outcry over the passing of, a, of anyone, regardless mm-hmm. of who they are but Recful was an incredibly important member of the streaming community he had been around since the beginning uh streaming himself as a pvp rogue in world of warcraft where he went up the ladder uh then he moved on to hearthstone where he gained an even larger audience with his you know energetic personality and his eclectic behavior i've been watching Recful since before i was a streamer uh, before i was a content creator just really uh, enjoying how relaxed and how responsible he was as a person. I met him once when I went to TwitchCon 2017. I remember sitting, it was it was in a giant stadium and Greek God X was streaming to 30,000 people. And I walk up to Recful and I'm like, hey man, can I interview you? And Greek God shoves a camera in my face. And I'm like, uh, I'm freaking out. And then Reckful's like, okay, you know, so he has Greek turn the camera around and we just go to a slight corner and, and we talk for like 15 minutes. And I did, a, I think I published a story about IRL streaming back then, but he was so nice and so like warm when it came to it. And, you know, parasocial relationships are made up things in our own heads, but it, it really hurt when, when Reckful's passing was announced he was a genuine force for good in the community, and he tried his best to try and overcome his own demons. 
I think as as the years go on, we're only going to see more of these you know content creators unfortunately take their own lives because it is a lonely, exclusionary, depressing situation to be a content creator. You're getting nothing but hate and vitriol sent their way for decisions that you made that you feel are insignificant. But to your fans who feel like they know you, you're feel they might feel slighted. They might feel that you're not, you know, treating them with the respect they deserve or some other thing that's created in their own heads. And I think Reckful internalized a lot of that stuff. I he was very open about his depression. And he would he, he took I he took at least one month off of streaming. He may have taken more. And it wasn't enough. Unfortunately, there's there's nothing you can really do other than, you know, other than try and support the content creators. If if you're that kid who's in chat just spamming shitty things at a streamer because they're not real because they're other, on the other side of a computer, you really need to to take a long look at your life and and realize that the internet is real and the things you say to people have repercussions for your actions. And with that, Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. And now I'm joined by Gene Park of the Washington Post. Earlier this week, Twitch suspended Donald Trump after his Twitch channel re-aired his 2015 campaign rally in which he called Mexicans rapists. It violated Twitch terms of service on hate speech. It seems that the Trump administration isn't making as big of a brouhaha as it did with the mild fact check that was given to the president on Twitter. So does Twitch really matter to Trump, or is this just more of a funny story? It's, it is kind of a funny story, and I think it does speak larger to the overall issues in terms of moderation and uh, content structures in other social media platforms. Every social media platform is going through a period of reckoning right now due to the outbreak of uh, social justice uh, conversations happening around the country. To answer your first question, I don't think a lot of political campaigns really understand Twitch. Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang were actually the first uh, two candidates to get on Twitch. Uh, I think Andrew Yang even predates uh, Bernie Sanders. But neither of them were really using Twitch in a way that was conducive to the platform, uh, which was uh, speaking directly to the audience and engaging with the audience. Um, That's the whole point of being on Twitch. I highly doubt that Trump even knows what Twitch is. But even on the campaign level, um, it, it, there doesn't seem to be a broad understanding of what exactly Twitch does and uh, how they can harness that for, for, for better use. Because a lot of political campaigns are really more interested in broadcasting uh, live streams. There ha- really hasn't been a back and forth conversation. And that kind of thing hasn't really been mainstream yet. Of course, with the advent of social media, a lot of campaigns, long-standing news outlets want to engage with this audience and i know the washington post has its own twitch channel i mean Mm -hmm. from like either traditional media or campaigns who is doing it most right in your opinion (laughs) well this kind of is an an easy answer but i think alexandria ocasio-cortez is doing it well because she doesn't have her own channel she probably doesn't even know how to use it but what she's doing is guest appearing in in streams, uh, charity streams or whatever, to talk about whatever issues and just chat. That to me is a great way to engage in the audience, while also avoiding the pitfalls and the minefield of potential problems that could pop up if you try to do it yourself or if you try to do it through your own uh, campaign or or office. Mm. So if like the New York Times wanted to get on Twitch, they really instead of making their own Twitch channel, they should jump on Pokey Mainstream. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I, I, that, that is actually what I did. Um, you know, like, like there's a channel called the Go Off Kings and they're very leftist. 
and uh, they came to our channel to troll. So I decided to show up in their channel to to troll and and just joke around and 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 have fun with them, and that was fun. And pe- a lot of people knew, found out about the Washington Post Twitch channel that way, and they liked that I was kind of goofing around with everyone. So. I'm leery these days about a brand becoming a character, but you know, there's a lot of different ways for brands and campaigns to be able to engage uh, online without having to be a faceless or faceless organization. And Twitch is definitely something that really still hasn't been prioritized yet. You know, I I would assume that. After the news broke that the Trump administration would say the Jeff Bezos-owned Twitch.com, Amazon-owned Twitch.com, and just go on this whole rally against uh, Bezos and how the media is actually against him, I was surprised I saw none of that. I was actually surprised, too. Um, I, it, it was a very, very easy line that I, that I think any of us could have, um, you saw that, that I would have taken, too, if I was him. But he didn't take it. So to me, again, I think it just really tells me that they probably don't see it as a priority. Trump loves Twitter. And I think the campaign loves Facebook. And they do know that advertising on YouTube is powerful. But that's about it, though. Well, you know, another story I want to jump into has been kind of the fascinating development of the U.S. Army's esports team and how it's trying to engage with users online by you yeah. know, using that the cute internet speak, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, am mm-hmm. I going to pronounce it wrong? Is it ooh? It's a woo, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Using that kind of cute internet speak to essentially hopefully recruit for potential soldiers. And of course, immediately, I think anything army related just gets blasted on Twitter, uh, you know, where they're like, oh, yeah, that's cute. But, you know, is bombing civilians cute? Like, it just turns into this huge political thing. And I kind of wonder, like, why... If if the U.S. Army thinks it's even possible to try to genuinely engage with younger audiences online, when there's I mean, when you're, you're a military organization, that tweet does also surprised me too. It did not surprise me that the army has an esports team. I've known that for a couple of years now. I think definitely last year they they really stepped it up because the army has been missing recruitment goals, and basically they just wanted to find a new way. For them, they see video games and multiplayer gaming as a new chatting on the phone. So this is basically their way to to kind of like infiltrate that 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 arena. And it's not a not it's not a dumb play. Um, you know, the, the most popular games are ver- are very much well within the military industrial complex. A lot of them involve guns. A lot of them involve teamwork. And so they've just been doing that. A lot of the issues surrounding uh, military use are o- always going to follow that as well. So it'll be it's been interesting to see people discover the fact that the military has been doing this for quite some time now. It's odd because the military is generally seen as this very buttoned up, tight, regimented organization. And then for them to kind of engage in the silliness of social media to try to recruit people just screams as disingenuous, at least from the perceptions that I'm reading on on the Internet. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know... (laughs) You know that, that you, you know that soldiers don't really talk like that. I'm sure a lot of people felt like it was a pop cultural appropriation. I, I don't know what they were doing with that. Maybe there was a civilian contractor that that runs that account, um, and if they hired someone like me, uh, you know, I used to be a social media uh, manager. Um, I can easily see myself um, relying on, on similar cute tactics to try to get people to warm up to us. But I think you, you have to watch your tone. You know, you have to you have to understand what kind of tone you're giving, and uh, so. I haven't really seen what other tweets they have, and I don't know if that that was a unique uh, tweet from anything from else, but just definitely uh, extremely weird and very 2020 to see. 
Yeah, yeah. Again, something that I might expect from Wendy's, they sell hamburgers. Uh, yep. <laughs> maybe not from the or company. Or steak and sandwiches, you know? Steak and <laughs> yeah. sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, like KFC, KFC Esports, you know? Like like every company these days just have their own esports team because it's a growth market. So, you know, like the KFC Esports has its own accounts and, and it's also making similar jokes. So I guess they're just trying to kind of go with the flow. And you know, forget that the, the the whole people forget that they're the army. So, yeah, I, I assume that some of these records have to be made public on if the army is reaching certain goals. So it would be interesting to see if there's like an uptick in recruits from whatever demographics are going after after you know yeah. starting their U.S. Army esports team and the social media effort. Yeah, it's definitely something that I want that I want to take a look at uh, sooner or later. So, yeah. well, we'll keep yeah. an eye on it, Gene. Thank you so much for jumping on. Yeah, Ma, thanks so much for inviting me. Really appreciate it. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and share. Your support will help the show grow. If you want to follow Steven, you can find him at IamAsarch on Twitter. If you want to follow Gene, he can be found at Gene Park on Twitter. If you want to follow my writing over at the New York Times, the Washington Post, and elsewhere, find me on Twitter at Imad. Annie Pay is our producer. Any questions about the show can be directed to her at Pay underscore Annie. Joe Domek is our outreach manager, and Ron Lyons is our researcher. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.